inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. And good morning. Back here on a Monday morning. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Yeah, we weren't here last week. There was a repeat show because we were off in Vancouver for uh, the... We could have made it. We could have, yeah. We actually were back. <laughs> we were home. Not totally just true, we were tired. Yeah, we got in pretty late in the, in the night. So, yeah, we were at the convention out west, which... We would be talking about today, but we're gonna ha- we're gonna postpone that till next Monday. Yeah, so this is Outlook, and uh, we are on Twitter at Outlook CFB, and on Facebook, uh, Facebook dot com slash Outlook on Radio Western. But yeah, today we are gonna have a guest, and it's um, related to what yesterday was, which was Mother's Day, right? Yes, very very important day. So here's our guest. Do you want to say hello? Good morning. I'm Carrie and Brian's mom, Janet. So I'm usually their biggest fan listening to this show, and <laughs> today I'm part of it. So it'll be interesting. It's different being in the studio compared to listening it. That's for sure. Radio, yeah, I'm usually so. out in the car listening. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm their chauffeur also, so I do a lot of driving and often drop them off and pick them up. Yeah, well, she's from Woodstock uh, as well as Carrie, so she'll drive Carrie in most Mondays and... Uh, yeah, it's nice to have. It's great to have uh, our mom here on the show today. We're excited. Yeah, first family member, right? Yeah. We've had guests before, but um, friends and almost like family. But yeah, we thought today we'd see if we could get her in to talk about uh, just <laughs> being our mother, I guess. <laughs> uh, what a job. Um, I guess, do you want to start um, by just telling us a bit about you um, before it's it's weird to think of you before we were around, which sounds kind of narcissistic or something, but you always say that, or, you know, it's weird to imagine, you know, your parents' wedding or something, that something you weren't there for. Uh, so you did have a life before we came along, right? I guess I did. <laughs> a long um, time ago. I became a, a mother at the age of 22. I'm only married for a year before that, so... The way it was back then, yeah, quite, it's not quite so yeah, common different today. Times now, yeah. um, and I'm, I have, we have four children. Carrie is the third, and Brian is the fourth. So, I was an experienced mom when Carrie was born, um, and thought this is just like the every other time. You know, she was pretty all pretty typical. When she you're was you're born. like I've done this before. I got this exactly. Yeah. I was all I had everything under control. It's my third time now, and this yeah. is going well. Um, but we I noticed all babies their eyes just kind of roam around randomly initially, but by the second month they start to focus and you get smiles out of them, and that just wasn't really happening with you, care. Um, but when I took you in for your third month appointment with our family doctor, I didn't say anything to him. He examined you, and he didn't notice anything. And so at the end of the appointment, I asked him to double-check your eyes, I said, because I just don't think she's focusing like she should be at this point. So then he did, and he was also concerned, so he referred us on to another doctor, and 
Um, when we saw him, you could tell he was super concerned. And you were crying, and he was trying to examine you, and it was really a traumatic... Sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> traumatic experience, kind of, for that examination. And he right away said, we need to see an, a pediatric ophthalmologist, and this is serious. And um, So then we didn't know what was in store for us. Because your condition was hereditary, we found out down the road. But there was absolutely no other blind people in our family. And I didn't know any other blind people. And when a doctor started telling us that you were going to be blind, it was like, whoa. Because had you ever had you ever met a blind person? Um, not really personally. I, I, th- I knew of yeah. a couple of people that were blind or visually impaired. But n- I didn't really personally know anyone. Yeah. Um, so then anyways, when we finally made it to the pediatric ophthalmologist, it was the world of difference. He examined you while you were asleep on your dad's shoulder, and he was very calm and reassuring. Aww. And and he also didn't give us a definite diagnosis. He says he thinks this is what it is, um, but he wasn't sure. So this was when you were probably between around five months of age. By the time we made it through that process of, of everyone um, and he did suggest that we put you under anesthetic at some point and get a definite diagnosis which then you go home from the doctors right and we had the next four months with just you at home and, and you were like any other baby at that point in time we had to really coax smiles out of you right because you don't have eye contact and and I started talking to a lot of people and, and you start searching for somebody else that has experience. And it's, it's hard to think of that back in the you know the, the mid eighties. How do you search for stuff like that before yeah, the internet? Pre-internet there days was no and... internet. No, so you make you, you make phone calls, right? Anybody that knows anybody, and people start coming out of the woodwork when they hear yeah. the news, right? So we made a few contacts and we're in touch with another family that had a blind child, and and I soon learned how important development was going to be for you guys because when you can't see you just don't have the incentive to crawl because if you crawl the first thing that you hit is your head Mm. So why would you go on hands and knees and crawl so your head bumps into a wall or something, right? You're more far more likely to just sit. Uh. And and turtle that you it's not you're not born inquisitive. You don't want to reach out and touch things that you don't know are in front of you or what's out there and you don't have the incentive to see a nice shiny toy or or whatever. So a lot of blind kids will be very introverted and almost turtle like. But I had some some vision so I could spot certain things, right? You like did, but you were about seven or eight months old before I noticed that you had caught that anything caught So you thought she would be totally might be totally blind yes. at that point. Oh. Yes. Until then I guess it's still hard to tell when it, someone's yeah. that young and Mhm. And it and because your vision was so narrow and fragmented, it took you a while to understand yeah. the connection between objects and and what was going to your brain through your eyes. Cuz I remember in my baby book, uh, I used to be fascinated and I'm always looking looking through that thing back when I had more vision. In my baby book, there are two things I remember. There's a, a coaster that you you glued in there that's mm-hmm. kind of broken apart. And there's a picture of me, which maybe I was a bit older, on our blue Smurfs picnic table. And I'm, there's Cheerios laid out in front of me. So I think I think they were fruit. Fruit Loops? Fruit Loops. Because <laughs> they were bolder and bigger and brighter. <laughs> yeah. That that was the first thing that, you, that I noticed you, you really out. seeing. But the, and, the and coaster? We, we played in sun patches. Right. The bright sunlight. <laughs> like a cat. Like <laughs> the sun patch. The bright sunlight really helped you to pick up on something visually. And that's where I first noticed that you could see something. And how did other people react 
when you guys sort of found out? Um, you get a very varied um, kind of reactions from people. You do. Some some people are just like kind of terrified, and but a lot of close family they already knew you, right? And so you know, it's a familiar little child that that, that everyone that people know. Mm-hmm. Strangers, more you see more of a. a a frightened reaction and everyone was concerned about your future because my first thought was oh this is fine I have a little baby I can carry around and it doesn't affect you but what am I going to do when you have to start walking and you have to go to school right it's the fear of of what's next yeah it's like any baby well very similar to any baby the first year or two where it's you're taking care of them, mm-hmm. but then you do think ahead. Mm-hmm. And so, thankfully, you have that time for you to grow and me to learn. And and I learned that we got involved right, very early with CPRI here in London, which is the Children's Psychiatric Research Institute, and they have an infant stim program where a worker came out into our home with a whole bag full of toys, and she was really good at helping me understand your development and what was important to help encourage you to learn things. Um, and she was my lifeline. For the first two years that and, and connected me with other families um, organizations back in those days I went to the conventions to yeah. to learn and, and, and try and find make more contacts and that's what I was going to say it's just funny uh, you know that was you back in the in the day and now mm-hmm. it's kind of what Brian and I are, are doing and it's sort of come full circle in that way but and it's when you thirst for information and Connection. understanding yeah for you it was learning about how to raise blind children and be around other people that are mm-hmm. in the same situation and for us it's kind of we're adults but we're through these organizations that we're getting involved in in these conventions we're surrounding ourselves mm-hmm. with other blind people and learning so yeah and it's making the connections to make you f- feel better yeah you're not alone form. in this stuff and mm-hmm. there's other people dealing with exactly similar and, but p- ch- children that are born blind are are very rare there, there really aren't very many around. Yeah, it's normally later on in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember, Brian, when you went to school, when you started kindergarten and grade one, you were shocked that there were no other blind children in your classroom. Yeah. It was like... <laughs> I think that's a common thing that I've heard other people say Yeah, I've heard children. something like that recently, so. yeah. Because you had, you know, another sibling, and and you by that stage you had friends that were blind, and it was like, what? There are no other kids in this whole class, <laughs> and there, but there were no other kids in the whole school besides you and Carrie. Yeah, when you were integrated like that, so so it's it's not a common thing. And so you know that question about like what is it like people would ask our siblings that question. What is it? What's it like to have a blind, you know, sister or whatever? So do you get that? Did you get a lot of that question ever, or do you? Not really recall that. Hmm. I don't it's know kind of I a can, funny generic question. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if I can really it's hard to remember specifically. Remember the whole lot about that. But well, it's hard because I I see you as this person yeah. who knows who handles it and is you know I always say made to be the mother of blind children or blind people, but it's like again it's hard to imagine back in a time when you didn't know blind people and you didn't know about blindness. Um, you seem so together about it all now. That like any parent, you you love your child and you do anything, you know, so they have the best start in life and and are prepared. And so then, when Brian, when you found out you were having a fourth child, did you? Th- yes, yeah, so this was three years later. Did you think, mm-hmm. oh, this could happen again? And he was our fourth child, and 
You were a bit of a surprise, Brian. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. I'm not, you're not surprised. I didn't know if I wanted to say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's okay. Not an accident, just a wonderful yeah. surprise. Yeah, it's all in the word you choose. Yeah, because you know you two are the best, and you've taught your dad and I so much in this world that uh, we wouldn't do anything different. Um, and it was no easier the second time round. I don't think because mm. I, I think when a when you learn that your child has you know an impairment like. Not, not being able to see, I think you grieve that like a, the loss of anything yeah. that you expect to, to have in your life, right? And then suddenly you don't have it. Yeah. Um, and as little babies and children, it, you two didn't really care, but your dad and I did more probably that, that we had our moments where we were upset or why did this happen or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But you can only spend so much time in that and then you get busy and try and make the best of what you have. So that life goes on right you you don't have a choice so did you have the diagnosis uh Lieber's congenital amaurosis when brian was born um yes so when you were 10 months old we did have you put under anesthetic and they examined you and then and then it was a definite so was it was it pretty like noticeable again or was it like when i was born then is it like carrie where it was a few months kind of or you knew right away for me because carrie had a, a an ophthalmologist appointment when you probably Brian were around a month one month old just a few weeks old so I took you in for the appointment and I said to the uh, ophthalmologist it was Dr. Orton at the time he was a wonderful man mm-hmm. um, I said we have a new baby can you tell me <laughs> and he, you were asleep in your car seat in the corner and and he looked at me and he says he says you'll know as soon as i would know he said right now he says i'm not even going to look into his eyes and wager a guess because it's too early Mm. um and he was right that that we couldn't tell at four weeks of age but as soon as the baby starts following and starting to smile i could tell that that just wasn't happening for you that easily and and you can get babies to smile that can't see but it just takes a lot of coaxing and tickling and mm. and and you really were a turtle Brian if if it was a stranger or someone you were unfamiliar with you would just totally not react to that person it was like you'd crawl into your shell and not be there <laughs> you're not my parents <laughs> not. remember even in preschool once you you had a wonderful um teacher at your preschool and if she was sick or something and someone else filled in yeah i don't think you spoke to anybody that whole morning yeah, yeah probably not i'm, I'm a little rude, more confident right? than i was back then but i'm still a shy person and but and you can't say rude here because i think you may have done I that know, to, i'm the same to the occasion i was the same with like educational supply assistant teachers or supply teacher and, yes yes the same uh-huh no that, i was just joking that it's hard because and they don't quite know how to relate to you yeah. and and you're not comfortable and, and that, that was your defensive me- mechanism I think just to become a turtle so I think I kind of want to jump uh, ahead a few years to get to the school part so um, you know there was preschool did you have any issues getting me into preschool or was that kind of no big deal um, it wasn't now you Carrie went to um, a um, a county run program that mm-hmm. had specialist teachers for uh, okay. kids with disabilities. There, there was another blind kid there. Right. We had him on the show, Stephen Potter. So we, we had you in, in that classroom, Carrie. That's good. Um, and for some reason, typically you're searching out for specialized classrooms, but I also was really strongly feeling about just being totally integrated at that stage. 
in your lives and in the way the world was working. It was a real emphasis on that. So you, you went to that program, Carrie, and they were wonderful, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't allow you to stay for lunch with the other kids. Oh, okay. Your, yeah, I always remember, right? I, I your got classroom ended and... an hour before everybody else. Yeah. You had to leave. So when Brian started, I just went to our local Y. Yeah, you went to the Y. Preschool program and asked if they would take him in, and they did, and they were wonderful, and he was just like one of the every other kids, all of the kids there, right? So Carrie's had actual specialists or people who were... Um, Especially trained. Mm-hmm. Trained, but whereas mine, right. mine was just a regular... I, I felt more confident that, at that stage, and, and you were developing yeah. fine yeah, and doing well. Experience so already so that Carrie. was why we decided just to go the other route and see how it worked and and it was great because by that stage Carrie was starting kindergarten so but there's a whole thing even today what we talk about a lot about is you know integration versus segregated I mean the school for the blind is where everybody assumes you go and so from the start you just said of course I want them in our in yeah no our was that was this a bi- uh, dis- like, big decision well, or big or decision to think about the the option of going to Brantford to the W Ross School for the Blind or Mm-hmm. being integrated and and you just don't know right when you start yeah you don't know what's going to work <laughs> what, what would be best and, yeah. and there are pros and cons to both sides there are, yeah now through w ross they always had um specialists that would come out and assess your development mm-hmm. and make recommendations for what you would need and what what would be good for you so i was involved with that already through preschool um, and I relied greatly on that. And they came out and they said, because you had a little bit of sight care, she said right away that there's no reason that you couldn't continue into grade one and that you would need Braille at some point, but, and, and sooner would be better than later. That's good. Cause so a lot of times they, if, if a kid has any amount of sight, they say, you know, why, why, why learn Braille? Just use your sight and mm-hmm. read. Mm-hmm. But um, so I had the assessment and the recommendations from this um, resource from W. Ross, the blind, the school for the blind. Um, but our school board, I assumed that I had the assessment and the recommendations that they would follow those recommendations. Yeah. And when you went back for grade one, I was shocked that. You got any kind of resistance or pushback? Well, they had no intention of bringing in a specialist teacher for you. They had a classroom assistant there to assist you. But what you needed is a specialist teacher if you're going to learn Braille, right? You didn't need somebody just to make sure you were safe. You needed to be taught Braille and, and how to, you know, adapt your life and and all of the curriculum and, and class, you know. Yeah, so in kindergarten, I did fine on my own. Right, you know, kindergarten, there, there was nothing there. Play and because mm-hmm. it is mainly play. And then grade one, I did have uh, an EA or you know, mm-hmm. um, whatever you call them. So then, I got the feeling from the school board that it was if you want Braille, you have to send your child to W. Ross. If she can be integrated as long as she doesn't need that, or we could teach her a little bit, but. They they had no intentions of starting the program with a specialist teacher of the blind. Now at this point, you knew you knew Braille as well. 
at this yes, point? Yes. I had um, connected with other parents, and I drove to Brantford Saturday mornings to the W. Ross McDonald School for the Blind, and the librarian there was, was great. She had a whole group of mums and dads um, sit around the library on tables with, with Braillers, and we were clunking away to learn <laughs> Braille. Yeah. So, so it was great, and so Braille was part of your lives your entire childhood. I started Mm -hmm. learning that when Carrie was probably about two or three. So at this point with the school where they said that they wouldn't have anyone to teach her Braille, she already knew some Braille or she could see large print enough that she didn't know anything? I don't really remember that much about Braille. I remember in grade two when I learned it with when they finally got me a teacher jumping ahead, I just... I remember that that was the moment I sort of in my mind that I think about Braille. I'm sure I knew it before that. But you you did know the alphabet and recognize the letters because. But it's like when you have sight, you're gonna some sight, you're gonna use it. So I I probably mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. I and you didn't do a lot of reading. You recognized all the letters, but you wouldn't have read Braille mm-hmm. until probably grade two level. Mm-hmm. But I had Braille. Like I would put a W on the window. It was hard to really be enticed into books. For Braille at the early age, mm-hmm. because there aren't pictures there to draw you in, right? All it is is yeah, the letter. Yeah, it's a big page of and dots. letters don't make a lot of sense when you're four or five. But we had a little computer. I'm sure you remember that toy computer that yeah. went. I put the letters on the keyboard of it, and when you'd push on it, it would say the letter. Yeah, and the two of you played with that a lot. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that's a good learning. That tool. taught you a lot of how to read, because like I say, a, a book with braille words and lines would be overwhelming but like I say just putting a W on the window a D on the door Mm -hmm. so that you could associate the sound and an object with a letter was the way you first started learning so anyways we truly lucked out because after that grade one year when the school board wasn't sure if they were they, they adamantly weren't going to do anything but uh, the superintendent said that, you know, if I wanted just to have Braille, you'd have to go to W. Ross. But one of the specialist teachers um, went to a conference with that your dad and I attended. And we just happened to hear a ministry rep speaking at that. So it was a provincial ministry representative of education um, was speaking about integration so after his talk, um, the representative from the school board and Bob and I, your dad and I, went and, and I asked him a few questions. And I told him what our school board was telling us. And I told him what we wanted. And he just kind of shook his head and he says, I know this superintendent. And we're gonna, we were planning on seeing each other next week or whatever that we were having lunch and meeting he says i'll have a talk with her and that's what put the whole ball in motion if if i wouldn't have had the opportunity and the timing to meet with him and ask those questions at that time i i don't know if you two would have ever been integrated that's funny again it's about the connections you make and the places you you happen to be Mm -hmm. in the right moment Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean that's the discussion, but we we are glad that we did go to our our school, our local school, and and I sort of paved the way for Brian a lot of the time. But um, you were a stay at home mom all the years that we were growing up, which was yeah, which helped too. Good. I mean, yeah, you know, you time is an around. issue for people, obviously, and back then yeah. it's it was a bit different. Uh, and, yeah, I uh, mean, working one working parent was enough to sustain things, all right, and yeah, because you, know, you really do need hands on one on one. 
time, like yeah. because so much of the things we learn is visual. That yeah. that um, you know, you can't. You just. I think ninety percent of our lives that we learn things visually, but and it doesn't mean that you can't do it in another way. But it just takes one on one and some time. Yeah. Those, in those early it's years, different. especially. Yeah. You know now technology. It's it's just all truly amazing. I'm I'm in awe of you two. Often how technology has brought you along in this world and and how well you've done and. But it all started with with our early years of development and no one else is going to fight for you like your mom so and having yeah because it's all the professionals in your life right every one of them yeah everyone else was was wonderful of course Mm -hmm. but you know you you brought that to us and every classroom teacher was always (laughs) very encouraging and embraced the two of of you and for the most part well yeah but yeah i know yeah for sure yeah Mm -hmm. because it could have been it could have been a lot more backlash or a lot more you know discussion or mm-hmm. but for the most part i think you would say it went pretty mm-hmm. quite smoothly because i know a lot of them still follow you today and are proud of of how you've done and mm-hmm. and it's just so good for the other children in the class to be in the same class with a blind person because it you know all of my friends and people i grew up with they don't see me really as any any different and it's because i was always in the class and people learn from that so mm-hmm. you can show them that you're capable and and it's a good teaching tool, right? Everybody should be exposed to all the different things in this world. And but it might, you have to take a leap of faith, think, hoping that the you know the the um, regular school system can can be enough. And mm-hmm. instead of just saying, "I'll send you to where all the other blind," and kids we need are. to go back because we have no contact with any young children now. I don't know what it's like today for kids to navigate through the the school board and. Yeah, and programs and what's going on. It's very interesting, but I need to make some phone calls and and track down who's who's involved with it today. And but you've always been good about that too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but you were a stay at home mom all those years, and then when we um, when I was in kidney failure, you you sort of became a nurse and helped me with my you know dialysis, which kind of led you to eventually not being a stay at home mom anymore. As you know, often as it is when we grow up, um, we were older and didn't you know need as, need as much from you. You you found a job, all right. Yes, and well, I, I take a, some credit. For that, I like to think, <laughs> like but I say, you, all the stuff you learned. Yeah, a lot of experience. The two of you taught us a life lot. experience. That, yeah, through what we over, did with you over, like formal education for you was the thing. First, it was the development angle of it, right? Learning how our, our minds develop and what, how we learn, and and then secondly, you had a lot of medical issues. So when all of my little birdies flew the nest, and I went out to look for a job, I looked in to the care field and I work as a developmental service worker today and I actually when I applied I thought I was um, looking at a a, a home for children but Mm. it turned out they were adults but in the field of development and we have some with visual impairments in our home as well and all kinds of disabilities um, what I learned through life with you guys was the best best job training for me, and that's what got me in the door. And but like there are different levels of um, you know capability, and and, and it, th- like what you said earlier about certain <clears throat> impairments and disabilities co- making it harder to have contact with people. You you have to do that same kind of thing to get somebody to smile, to make you know just mm-hmm. to bring them a little joy. Um, and that it's it's all very personal, and and each. Each one is is unique, and you have to get to know them well first, and then understand how they learn, and and what motivates them, what helps 
with behaviors, how you can, you know, give them a meaningful life and and be happy. That's always the bottom line is to find happiness for everybody. And And I know just the way you've, I'm I'm very proud of both you and dad, just because you both have your careers, your job is looking after people. So you look after people in in their home so they can be in a home environment uh, instead of a larger, you know, um, hospital as it used to be and dad is a wheelchair cab driver so he helps people you know in wheelchairs and stuff who want to get somewhere mm-hmm. not be stuck at home so you guys both are very selfless in the career paths you have chosen now in your lives so um, yeah we just wanted to have you on today because we wanted just to wish you happy Mother's Day yeah um, absolutely happy know, Mother's Day people and say so when I was a kid I, I never realized how much my parents sacrificed and I don't want to you know say I knew from young young age but I knew earlier than I think a lot of ki- kids do I, I felt that you, all you were doing for us and I I mean, you can never go back, and you're not, you know, as a mother, that's, I guess, not really what we're supposed to do, <laughs> but, um, you know. Well, thank you for the praise. It's, it's, a, it's been... It's a mutual admiration society or exactly. something. Exactly. We both kind of yeah. compliment each People other. People always, it's always, I, I learn more from you than you learn from me, or vice no, versa, or not even more, more just... You. Yeah. yeah, it's just getting through life together, I guess. And, and I mean, it's just hard. A lot of people don't have that kind of family support, and it's not for lack of trying or care or love it's yeah everyone's just, in a different situation and it's just it's struggle to to know how to do it and some people find their way and and looking lucky. back on it you always think oh i could have done this differently oh, or done that better or, you know and, and any parent feels that yeah but i mean i i have no no I complaints <laughs> but i don't know how you feel about how now we're involved with the canadian federation of the blind and you know we got that from you you know fighting for things that we believe in and and making things better and not just accepting, you know, how it was and, and, and you know, wanting to be help others too. Was, mm-hmm. We kind of got that from you. So I don't know what you think about us being involved in all yeah, we're doing no, now. But. It's important and I'm proud to see you yeah. taking taking charge now and I can sit in the background and, like I say, just be your driver. Yeah. <laughs> normally just listen on the radio. Right. Read or listen to what we're doing. So thanks. Uh, Mom, for coming in today, and um, yeah, thanks, so, Mom. Thank you for, thanks for being on. Out, thanks for being on Outlook, and um, yeah, we'll be back next week. Have a good week.